welcome members to the ice cream podcast you know what it is it's the official podcast of the north american ice cream association where as you also know we are all about ice cream people helping ice cream people uh very excited to have our guest on today we're talking all things popsicle and paleta uh chris ruiz how are you good good steve how are you thank you for having me on I'm awesome. Now, I was schooled. I've been schooled several times by Evan and some other people about my pronunciation, but I'm actually schooled by a lot of people on a lot of things that I, that I pronounce. So it's really not, uh, you know, outside the norm for me. No, I think you're um, getting there, Steve. You're getting there with the paleta. So you're getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> Let me tell you my early experience, my first experience with a trip. I mean, we're talking about palettas and popsicles. I think it, my understanding is the paleta is the um, more Hispanic version of the standard popsicle. But let me give you my first experience with a with a paleta. I was down in um, Texas, and I was working with a chain there, and uh, they said you've got to go to this paleteria. So okay. we went down there. Uh, it's the place where Friday Night Lights was filmed. Um, anyway, we went to this little uh, this little place, and it was cool. And there was a lady in there, and they were selling aguas fresca, which it, it, to me is some of the most incredible drink you'd ever drink in your life. Anyway, segue. And yeah, yeah. Um, so I asked her about these popsicles, and she said, "Well, we have these different ones." And she gave me a popsicle to try. And it was a cucumber and chili um, popsicle. And I put this thing to my mouth and I, in my mind thought it was going to be sweet, but it wasn't sweet. It was kind of salty. Mm-hmm. And uh, the chili started kicking through. I remember her saying, it's not hot. And boy, oh, boy, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was hot. Yeah, what, <laughs> so- might be, what might be hot for us is a little bit more spicier for others. And so <laughs> right. And so that kind of opened up my mind into this whole world of just the variety of this product line. So um, explain to me what is a paleta? Yeah, so a paleta is a traditional Mexican frozen dessert. It's served on a palito or a stick, hence the name paleta, Mm -hmm. um, usually made with fresh fruit uh, with a milk or a water-based. So, yeah, you have different types of paletas that you can make with all types of fruit. You have them elevating now from anywhere from a relleno pop, which is filled pops or filled paletas Mm. to, you know, just like your basic, which you said, which is just your cucumber and chile or the most popular, which is the mango and chamoy. So, yeah, it's just a frozen dessert on a stick with fresh fruit, you know, ready to serve. And catering is also made easy with that, too. So. And I guess we saw, we had a competition um, in Texas last year at ConeCon, which really, I think, kind of introduced the process of making them. But there have been stores in and around the country, um, King of Pops and Stick and all these places that primarily are driving all of their revenue only on the paletas or popsicles, right? I mean, there's it's a it's an increasingly popular product line that's happening all around the country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing with paletas. Like, like I mentioned, they first started selling them with just carts. You know, going to your local neighborhood, ringing those four bells, and signaling to the kids that they were coming around. So, uh-huh. with paletas, that's the that's the thing about them is that they're easy to travel. They're easy to go and hand out at different events. Put them in a cart. You don't have to scoop or anything. Just hand out what flavor would you like, and 
you know, usually hearing those bells in the neighborhood brings, you know, stars to the kids' eyes and you see them running out and picking up those pops. So, you know, right. it, it's, a, it's an easy sale, easy market and easy to bring to the customer as well. So. So tell us a little bit about the history then. What, what What's the history of the paleta? Yeah. So with like everything else, you know, you have the actual facts and you have a myth. So we're going to start off by giving you off a, a little bit of a myth here, Steve. Uh-huh. So the myth they have is that back in the day, an Aztec emperor would ask his chef for uh, something to cool him down during the summer. So what they would do is they would send people up to a volcano and excuse my pronunciation if it's not correct, but Popaquetepen. They would send them up, collect ice, and then bring it down. And that's when the chef would go ahead and incorporate fresh fruit to the ice and then serve it on a stick. That's just a myth. But we have actual facts that during the 1930s and 1940s, when the Great Depression was uh, ending here in Mexico and World War II was about to start, we had a uh, fellow by the name of Rafael um, Molfavon who went ahead and created the paleta and introduced him to his uh, stores called La Michoacana, um, located in Tocumbo, Michoacan. Uh, that's where the paleta originated from. He started gaining popularity and started selling them in carts that he built himself made out of wood. Mm. Uh, after that, he started investing in his family members and local people that lived in his community and helping them out and you know employing them as well to sell his paletas. He then made a friend, which was not so much of a friend, but by the name of um, Ignacio, who stole his idea, stole his recipes and started making his own paletas in a different uh, town. So, you know, you have Rafael who created or supposedly is the founder of the paleta. And then you have Ignacio who uh, made the paleta well known all over Mexico. Mm. Um, and yeah. And slowly it started trickling up north into the California area, mostly the Los Angeles area where about one third of its population are Hispanics and Mexicans. And yeah, the Paleta just started evolving and moving up north. And now we see it from the West Coast moving up to the East Coast. And the trend is just catching on. You have everything from your basic fresh fruit Paleta to now your relleno Paletas or esquimales, which are dipped Paletas with toppings. And now even up to boozy pops and THC infused pops and things like that. So the paleta has started from, you know, the 1940s, slowly getting up to the north and it's evolving and it's catching up pretty well as a trend. So but tell me, <clears throat> I the the term La Michoacana, because we have members of the association who have a chain of stores called La Michoacana. You, you apologize mm-hmm. for pronunciation. I'm going to give you a blanket apology now for everything <laughs> that I'm pronouncing wrong. But but that's not so much a business name as it is more of a concept, right? Because I've been to a La Michoacana in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. So that the, the thing with La Michoacana is, for example, we have Don Rafael um, who started La Michoacana. And the Michoacana, it started getting traction and more people started buying it as a franchise. So now you have La Michoacana VIP, La Michoacana Premium. So right. La Michoacana is basically just... The, the name of the state or the, um you know, that it's in. Yeah, and then yeah. you just start adding your own to it. The only thing that is really franchised is the famous Michoacana doll that you usually see at like your gas stations at the sale paletas and things like that. That's right. what's uh, trademarked. But other than that, La Michoacana is a free market for any customer. Um, that's why you do see places in Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, you know. Um, but yeah, most of them are family owned. You will have a last name um, that's very common behind those Michoacanas. 
But yeah, that's how it started. It's all family-owned business. Um, Don Rafael started contracting his families. He would teach courses on how to do the paletas and then basically hold their hand for about two years until they were set. And then just they would go ahead and start running that paleteria. So that's how he got his family involved as well. And La Michoacan started. So so are we on Team Rafael or are we on Team Ignacio? Or we're saying that both of them really had a hand uh, in kind of bringing, making popular this uh, frozen dessert? Well, the good thing that um, Ignacio went ahead and paid his debt to Don Rafael after a certain amount of years of him making, you know, good cash flow. So, you know, they came back together and they worked on this Michoacana deal together. So I think we're both Team Rafael and Team Ignacio. You know? oh, that's, I, I feel a lot better about that, Chris. <laughs> I feel yeah. as though we can kind of celebrate the the whole thing together without um yeah. so <laughs> acknowledging just like everything someone's... else, you know. Right, just like everything else. There's a little bad. bit of family drama behind the palette. <laughs> right, there certainly is. Yeah. Um now tell me so so we're talking about and again, um in the south of the country and in some parts you've got these businesses that are you know, solely popsicles and palettas. Um mm-hmm. But there's an increasingly amount of ice cream shops that are actually introducing this as a product line because it is easy to sell them at the markets. It's easy to, to transport them to a school event. Um, yeah. Do you find that um, there's a lot more regular people who are making their own ice cream that are transitioning to or or starting up Paletta and Popsicle uh, production? Yeah, we've noticed actually a big change in the paleta industry, the paleta concept or trend, that it's moving a lot from the West Coast into the East Coast and mostly into ice cream stores, gelato shops that um, that you see. And yeah, I mean, it's just catching on a trend. It is a lot easier to serve. And the same recipes that you're using for your ice cream, you could basically use for the paletas, just changing up um, a little bit of the formulation for stability. But other than that, it's the same recipe, even a simple smoothie recipe you could use to make a paleta. So, um, yeah, we're also seeing that a lot of the the gelato or the ice cream shop owners are using, you know, their fruit and purees that they, you know, are no longer are coming to date. They're using those that that same fruit with more uh, sugar to then create their paletas as well. So, yeah, we did an experiment here where we... um we have a popsicle machine here and we took the uh, IQF berries that we had at the end uh, of a session. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was kind of a mix of strawberries, blueberries and raspberries and we'd sugared them. So they'd kind of, you know, what you would put on a topping, we had to use them. So I blended them all together and just put them in a mold. And amazingly what I would typically throw out in a store, you know, the residue of whatever, right. Uh, we kept and and you know made something that was pretty spectacular, not only in the way that it tastes, but the way that it looked as well. Um, so there's a lot of different ways you know to to kind of say, well, how do we eliminate waste or how do we reduce waste? One of them is actually offering uh, this product line that again hasn't been traditional in a lot of ice cream shops, but are starting to, starting to become a lot more popular. 
Yeah, yeah, a lot of things that we're seeing too with most of the paletas is they'll, you know, associate themselves with a local farmer or a local fruit vendor. And any mm. fruits that they see that are coming to date that are a little bit bruised, they'll start using those just because of the sugar uh, content in that fruit. And that way it makes it, you know, 100% fresh, 100% organic and things like that as well. So the paletas, you're usually seeing about a 78% fruit in the paleta itself. So they're fairly fresh, you know, um, we try to... Most paleteros try to keep everything organic and try to, you know, keep things, you know, that you don't know. Like, for instance, we have some paleteros just just use simple syrup, fruit and water, and that's about it. And then you have other ones that add the stabilizers, the guar gum and things like that right. to keep a longer life. So, right. I guess it depends on your delivery model. If you're rotating them through in your own store or at a farmer's market, you know, you've got 20, 30, 50, 200 to get through and that's it. But if you've got logistics of getting them to retailers and other ice cream shops and so forth, you know, that, that formulation needs to be a little bit different. Um, Hey, I I go over to Europe quite often, generally once a year to the Seagip show. And you mentioned gelato ears and um, it's really not uncommon to see a over there that has a display case for their, um, Napoli's and their their gelato product, and then another smaller case or even a, a similar size case for the popsicles, um, and they're just decorated so beautifully. Is this kind of like a, a, a almost like it needs to look as good as it tastes? Does right. do, do these because I find that these pop I may go into a gelato store or gelateria for if with the intent of having gelato. But you see these beautifully decorated popsicles there and think, nah, actually, I'm going to go with one of these because it looks so good. What's the balance between the flavor formulation uh, and the presentation of the process? You know, with the gelato shop compared to a paleteria, the gelato shop, I feel like they give a lot more, you know, it's more about the look. Like you said, it has to look good just as well as it tastes good. Right. So, you know, the formulation for that is definitely a lot more time and different molds. It's a completely different style than what a paleteria um, actually does. You know, with the gelato type of style, you're using more of the rubber type of molds, more of a magnum style pop, yeah. more presentable yeah. compared to a paleteria that is just quick, simple, easy to serve. So it's just the attention to detail as well that a gelato shop takes into making a paleta compared to a paleteria. So, you know, right. all that comes into play too. And then, you know, with gelato, like you said, it's just completely different um, market and obviously a little bit more elevated than what a paleta actually is. Yeah, because it's not uncommon to go into these traditional paleterias and it's basically a whole bunch of slide top chest freezers Exactly. And they have them all stacked in there. I'm just amazed at how fast they move. I mean, just full to the brim of just, you know, strawberry paletas. Yeah. Those freezers are usually full with different colors, different, you know, right. um, flavorings and things like that as well. And then you have your esquimales where you choose your pop, you go ahead and dip it, and then you choose your topping and things like that too. So they're slowly, you know, elevating the pop game and, you know, changing the paletas too. So what you're saying is they've got a, a, a big arrangement there that you can just grab and go, um, but you can customize it in some of these places, which is a great way of almost, you know, saying you can kind of design your own pop. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, you could have your plain vanilla pop, three different toppings in the back, and then three different um, 
you know, dippings. So the choices are endless for you to do with paletas. So tell me, um, so rotating into, because I know there is different equipment and sizes and, um, but people can kind of dabble in this process just by starting with a few molds, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We've had um, one of our friends here, Ice Queen, located out in um, Oregon. She started off with the freezer, just a couple of molds in a blast freezer. And that's how she started off her business. And honestly, a Yeti cooler. And she would take that to her local farmer's market, sell about 200 pops until she saved up to buy her own machine. And now um, if you look her up again, her name is Ice Queen. She's doing fairly well and expanding well in her business. She now has her own storefront. Um, she's still doing, uh, you know, like uh, pop-ups and farmer's markets and things like that. But she's interviewed everywhere and she's became her own person in uh, Oregon as well. So she's doing fairly well. And like I mentioned, she started off just molds in a blast freezer in a commissary kitchen and just selling and doing what she did best. And everything was as simple from just using, you know, seasonal flavorings. And that yeah. was it. She was just using seasonal things. And then um, she went ahead and, you know, she did add some of that Hispanic, you know, feel to her brand and things like mm -hmm. that. But yeah, starting as simple as a mold and a blast freezer, you can go ahead and do it. That's pretty cool. I do the local farmer's market here. They've got, um, you know, these peach guys that are there every single week. And I really love the idea of doing a, like a collaboration with someone local because not only is it showing kind of community um, and sourcing local and fresh product, but it also shows that when a customer buys this particular pop or paleta, they're supporting the farmer as well as you. Exactly. These, yeah. co these collaborations can be really um, beneficial, not only just from a financial standpoint, but even from a um, community and marketing standpoint. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, That's all helpful. And like I said, I'm sure farmers would love to get, you know, rid of some of their bruised fruit or fruit that's going bad, you know, at a cheaper price and help you out with that too. So. Right. Hey, tell me what, what's a Kofi pop? I see these kind of popping up here. Yeah, so kulfi pop comes and it's originated from India. It's uh, usually a pistachio-based pop with uh, rose water. It's very popular out there in India. That's their form of a paleta. It's usually in a cylinder form, but it, it's catching up a lot of trend. The pistachio flavor is just amazing. So you have the paleta that just extends all over the world. You have different names from, like I said, from kulfi to paleta to popsicle, you know, it, it's everywhere in different concepts, but yeah, I mean, the kulfi is definitely catching on. If you ever make a trip down there, it's definitely something you have to try, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. So um, some of our members may have seen the, the for the first time, maybe even um, the process of paleta or popsicle making at last year's convention. Uh, and we're doing that again this year in Vegas, uh, where um, ice cream makers can basically enter and and there's kind of limited numbers, but they can enter and actually make popsicles or paletas right there on the trade show floor. It's on the second day of the show. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because I, I, I do really like the spectacle. It really drew a big crowd last year of people just kind of watching this process and these pops evolve and then judged and then people were taking tastes and, it was cool. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So we hosted, with the help of the uh, Nike Association, we hosted the first ever paleta competition. Um, it 
was a success. We had, like you said, it was it drew a crowd. But yeah, what it is is any entrepreneurs or any paleta enthusiasts or chefs that you know want to come out and show what they have. We're gonna have a competition. The first round will be chocolate and strawberry. So bring your best chocolate and strawberry recipes. Show us what you got and claim that you know the trophy or the champ of the paleta cup. Hmm. During we'll have thirteen spots available for the first round. After the first round, we'll go ahead and choose the first, the best three flavors, and then they will go into a uh, second round. That second round will then have a uh, mystery flavor that you'll have to incorporate into your paleta. Uh, the winner will be announced at the supplier's party. Uh, but yeah, if you guys have any questions or anything like that, feel free to reach out or sign up or any more info is on the Ice Cream Association page. Yeah, it's under compete. So if you go to icecreamassociation.org and then you hover over convention, there'll be a compete tab and uh, you'll see the Paleta Comp uh, uh, listed there. Um, yeah, uh, look, the, the it's very cool. Even And you're going to see more and more of these. In fact, you know, uh, coming from Australia, the, the even the popsicle, as you said, magnum culture, um, is huge in other countries. I think they love the single serve nature of it. Um, it's a it can be a healthier snack than you know two scoops, three scoops of ice cream. Um, the the ease of making, transporting, selling um, has always been uh, really popular in a lot of other countries. And I think that yes, we've we've had it down the south, but I think it really is permeating and. You know, for an ice cream shop owner to kind of look at, well, what are some other sales avenues or revenue avenues that I've got? You know, mm-hmm. you, with a with a popsicle program, you're not really doing anything, or you're not getting any special ingredients in. You're using all of the product they already have in the store, um, so it's really not you know a big transition to another product line. You're really yeah. just using the things you've already got. Yeah, and it makes catering too so much more easier. You know, you just drop off your cart, drop off your paletas, and they're easy to serve, and it's much less of a mess. You don't have to scoop, you don't have to bring cups or spoons or anything like that. You just have your paleta hand out, and like I said, if you wanted to elevate it more, then you do your toppings. But if not, just a simple paleta. Well, Chris, this has been incredible. You know, again, I, I think this is kind of I don't know whether sweeping the nation is appropriate, but there's a lot more stores getting involved in the pop game. Uh, We're going to put a link down in the show notes here to the Association Compete page. We're going to link up the Ice Queen here. You can have a look at what she's doing there. How do uh, people get a hold of you, Chris, to kind of get more information and to have a look at what you guys are doing? Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to help with any questions or if you guys wanted to nerd out on paletas a little bit more, feel free to reach out to me at ventas, V-E-N-T-A-S, at ices.cool. I'd be happy to nerd out with you guys. Fabulous. Well, thank you again. Really appreciate your time. Um, you'll be there at ConeCon, so you can uh, talk to Chris. She'll be a, an internet sensation after the podcast comes out. <laughs> and uh, look, if you're listening to the podcast and think, hey, I've got a product, I've got some expertise, I've had these experiences in the ice cream business, we would love to hear from you. Drop us a line, info at icecreamassociation.org. And look for all of the information on the podcast, previous episodes, all of the association information, including ConeCon 2023. Go to icecreamassociation.org. Thanks again, Chris. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Steve. You have a good one.